What is Aperture in Photography? Hi and welcome to episode 155 of the Photography Explained podcast. I'm your host Rick and in each episode I will try to explain one photographic thing to you in plain English in less than 27 minutes-ish without the irrelevant details. What I tell you is based on my lifetime of photographic experience and not Google. Okay, okay, there was some Google research in this one, so thank you very much, Google, for your assistance. First, here is the answery bit. Aperture in photography is all about the size of the opening in the camera lens which light passes through to get to the camera sensor. The aperture can be made larger to let more light in or smaller to let less light in. The aperture is also used in conjunction with shutter speed and ISO to take photos with different camera settings. The aperture used also determines the depth of field in an image, which is the amount that is sharp from front to back. So yes, the aperture determines how much light gets through to the camera sensor, so it is important. As an email just comes in, which is helpful. That was the answer a bit, and here is the talky bit, and, and what, a, what a good answer it was too, even if I do say so myself. This is what I said in episode 154, which was all about getting the correct exposure every time you take a photo. The aperture is the opening in the camera lens that lets the light through to the camera sensor when you take a photo. Larger aperture, smaller number, more light gets in. Smaller aperture, larger number, less light gets in. I know, I know, it's one of those, isn't it? So the aperture is one of the three components of the exposure triangle, along with shutter speed and ISO. Right then, so this is important, and there's some stuff for me to explain then. Before I get into the scripted bit, what I've tried to do is to take all the aperture-related things and put them together in one episode. Now, I did cover aperture some time ago in a much shorter episode, So this is the full picture on Aperture, everything you need to know, which I could have added to the title to make it sound a bit snappier, but I went short this time. So, some stuff for me to explain then. Maximum Aperture. When you buy a camera lens, it's described like this. Let's use my favourite camera lens, the Canon 17-40mm lens. This is how it's listed on the Canon website. It's the Canon EF 17-40mm F4L USM. So what does all that mean? And like I say, I call it my 17 to 40 millimeter lens for short. Well, why not? Well, 17 is the widest focal length, 17 millimeters. 40 is the narrowest focal length, 40 millimeters. Yes, I'll cover focal length in a future episode because what exactly does 40 millimeters mean? Hmm. F4 is a maximum aperture. And for completeness, L tells you that this is from the professional lens range. Now... (laughs) It's not L for professional, is it? Because that wouldn't make sense. So what does the L actually stand for? It actually stands for luxury, would you believe? Well, probably. I mean, that's what I found out, and I'd never heard that before, but that's not important here, is it? So move on, Rick. I'm a completeness, USM, ultrasonic motor. Again, not important here. But what is important is the F4, the maximum aperture. This is the full opening in the lens where you can't see the aperture. It's called, the aperture's fully open, which is also called wide open. Now, this lets in the maximum amount of light, allowing you to use faster shutter speeds. The maximum aperture will also give you the least depth of field. Well, why is this important, the maximum aperture? Well, it's dead simple. The smaller the number, the larger the maximum aperture. The faster the lens is. This is important because... The larger the maximum aperture, the more light that gets through to the camera sensor. 
and that means that you can use a faster shutter speed or take photos in lower light levels handheld. Now a camera lens with a large maximum aperture is known as a fast lens and that's fast as in relative to a camera lens with a smaller maximum aperture. Gets a bit wordy doesn't it? A, a camera lens with a maximum aperture of f2.8 is faster in photography terms than a camera lens with a maximum aperture of f4 okay and and the other the other part of this is um in general terms of course the larger the maximum aperture the larger heavier and more expensive the lens is so large aperture more light small aperture less light that bit makes sense doesn't it so at the other end of the scale you've got the minimum aperture now, I don't see anywhere in my script that you can pick any aperture from the maximum aperture to the minimum aperture using the controls on your camera. It used to be a ring on the lens that you used to rotate, but now it's all done by elastic trickery, which is nice. So minimum aperture. Well, at the other end of the aperture scale is the minimum aperture. And this is the largest number, but with the smallest physical aperture. So the smallest opening in the lens. So it's not it's not surprising, is it, that this lets through the least amount of light. So a small aperture lets less light in than a large aperture. Okay, it's beginning to make sense, isn't it? On my Canon 17-40mm lens, the minimum aperture is f22. So what do these numbers actually mean? Well, f4 is a wide aperture, letting the most light in. And f22 is a small aperture, letting the least light in. This is... This is counterintuitive, isn't it? But but don't worry, there is there is a simple explanation for this, and I, I don't I want to explain this, but I don't want to get too hung up on it. First, I want to go through the aperture scale. So the aperture scale is this: f one point eight, f two point eight, f four, f five point six, f eight, f eleven, f sixteen, f twenty two, f thirty two, and f sixty four. Now, that's probably one of the dullest bits of audio you've ever heard, isn't it? Only to be surpassed by the shutter speed range and even worse, the ISO range. But these values I've given you, these are full stops. So what's a stop? Well, a full stop is a doubling or a halving of light. More on that in a minute. But what do these numbers actually mean? And I know I'm in danger of going into relevant detail here, but I'm, I'm going to give this a go. Well, first off, F4 is called the F-stop. It has a number of other names, which are F number with a dash between the F and the number, F number without a dash, and it's also called aperture value, and F stop with a dash, and also F stop value. Now, I know, I know, but they're all, they're all one and the same. But this is how it's written correctly, and this is, this is good, because if we want to get this stuff correct, we, we need to start at the very beginning. So, it's F forward slash and then the number, and, and this little this little bit of um, text, it gives us a clue. F stands for focal length, and the number is a fraction of the focal length. Now, do I need to go into any more detail on this? No, I do not, and <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to. See, I'm quite happy with the fact that the f-stop is a fraction of something, and that, that makes the large number for a small opening and the small number for a large opening. It makes it almost make sense, so... The actual aperture size is not important, so let's move on. So what do these numbers actually mean? So if you go from f5.6 to f8, you halve it. I stop then to check myself because I quite often get these the wrong way around. I've been careful with this script, so they should be absolutely bang on. So if you go from f5.6 to f8, that's a smaller opening, isn't it? 
you're halving the amount of light that gets through to the camera sensor. And if you go from f11 to f8, you're doubling the amount of light that gets through to the camera sensor. And this is directly related to shutter speed. So if you change the shutter speed from 1 250th of a second to 1 125th of a second, you're doubling the amount of light that gets through to the camera sensor. And so it goes. But the significant thing is both of these changes are of one stop. And this is the important bit. Let's say you're going to take a photo and the camera is saying that the correct exposure is 1 250th of a second at f8. And you want to change the aperture to, say, f11. Well, why not? 11 is a good number, isn't it? So going from f8 to f11 is one stop. So you make the change to f11. What you're doing is you're halving the amount of light getting through to the camera sensor. Now, if you take that photo using the shutter speed 1 250th of a second, your photo will be underexposed to the value of one stop. This means it'll be too dark and you will not have captured the range of light correctly. All you need to do is this though, nice and simple. You need to change the shutter speed by one stop and you'll be going from 1 250th of a second to 1 125th of a second. See now the shutter's open for double the amount of time, doubling the amount of light. And this is how we can change this stuff and how closely related important aperture and shutter speed are in photography. So much so that I will cover shutter speed next and then ISO and then the exposure triangle. So I'm going to spend a good amount of time explaining these and then I'm going to put it all together. That's a big claim, isn't it, Rick? Blimey, no pressure. But I want to get back to aperture though and tell you some other stuff that you need to know. How do you see your aperture? What does it look like? Well, this is an audio explanation of aperture, obviously, on a podcast. So check out the images of the camera aperture on the blog post for this episode and you can see what I'm talking about. This isn't great for audio, but um, my script says insert link here. Just go to the Photography Explained podcast and put aperture in the search thing. And this episode and the one from about two years ago will appear and you will find a nice graphic. Now, this graphic, I haven't done it myself. Just realized I spelled Canon wrong in my script. No, I haven't done this myself. This is from the Canon USA website. There's a link to the website there. Thank you, Canon. I trust you don't mind me using your information because I am promoting your cameras and lenses. So I think we're all good there, aren't we? And if you have a depth of field preview button, select the minimum aperture on your lens and press the depth of field preview button and you should be able to see your aperture. Do this and you can see what a wider aperture and a narrower aperture look like. And you can change the size of the aperture, which helps to make sense of the more light slash less light thing. Okay, depth of field. Well, seamlessly moving on to depth of field, which was a smooth move, eh? The aperture selected determines the depth of field of an image. Now, I like to describe the depth of field as the amount of a photo that is sharp from front to back. So use the maximum aperture and you get the least depth of field. Use the minimum aperture and you get the most depth of field. Larger apertures give less depth of field and smaller apertures give more depth of field. So if you were photographing, say, a person and you wanted a blurred background, you would use a smaller aperture. And if you were photographing a landscape and wanted everything to be in sharp focus, you'd use a smaller aperture. And the depth of field varies with the focal length that you use. See, I get more depth of field at 17mm than I do at 40mm. That's enough about depth of field. That's the aperture-related aspects of it. And I'll do an episode on depth of field in a, in a future episode, which 
which at the moment is scheduled for about December 23. Okay, a few other things. Lens errors and the lens sweet spot. Well, every camera lens has what we call the sweet spot, where the aperture selected gives the sharpest image with the least optical errors. This is normally somewhere in the middle of the aperture scale for a, ca- for a, for a camera. My script says this is normally in the middle of the aperture scale for a camera. Let's change that to lens. There you go, that's been changed. Thank you. On my Canon's 17-40mm lens, it's f8. Shoot with the maximum aperture and you can get problems with diffraction as you're shoehorning the light through a small opening in effect. Shoehorn is not possibly not the best word, but, but you're sending all that light through a really small opening and there is a, there is a cost of doing that. And if you shoot with a maximum aperture, you can get bits that are not sharp. It tends to be around the edges of a photo. So if you're doing your blurry effect thing, photographing a person, it doesn't really matter. You just need to be aware of that. And somewhere in the middle is a sweet spot, which is the best aperture providing the highest quality image capture. Okay, so aperture and different types of camera. Well, this is what I'm going to mention quickly and move on. There are There are three main types of consumer cameras, which are full-frame cameras, crop sensor cameras, and micro four-thirds cameras. Now, each of these are different sensor sizes, and I'm talking here about digital cameras, DSLRs, and mirrorless cameras. But let's, yeah, micro four-thirds cameras, they're mirrorless cameras anyway, full stop. So, ah, sorry, I said full stop. That wasn't in my script. I shouldn't have said that. Apologies. Yeah, full-frame crop sensor and micro full-thirds cameras, so there is a difference. So is F8 the same on all these different camera systems? Well, no, it's not. In general terms, the larger the camera sensor, the less the depth of field. But this is balanced by using wider focal lengths. And this is where things can get very complicated and probably beyond my abilities to understand and explain. So just be aware that you get less depth of field with a full-frame camera than you do with a crop sensor or micro four-thirds camera. Yeah, I've I've written in my script here, this is one for another time, but I don't think it is because the first time I heard this on another photography podcast, I I couldn't get my head around a full-frame camera has less depth of field than than a crop sensor camera. And I still can't. Maybe I should should fathom that one out or should we just move on and and not bother because I've got to be honest with you, I've got... Oh, I said, got to be honest with you. So I'm glad I said that because everything to, up to that point was a complete and utter lie. See, I, I use a full frame camera and I use a micro four thirds camera and I've never had a problem with this. So let's not worry about it. Right then, automatic modes. Well, cameras have many different automatic modes. So how is this relevant to aperture? Okay, I've got an error message on my screen now saying can't reach this page, which is really helpful because there's some software trying to do something I don't want it to do. It's gone. So cameras have many different automatic modes. Portrait modes will choose a larger aperture. Landscape modes will choose a smaller aperture. So in these automatic scene-related modes, the camera is choosing what it thinks is the most appropriate aperture for a certain subject matter. The camera matches the shutter speed and ISO to get the best image capture that it can. Not than I can. I've checked this script quite a few times. Still a few errors. In manual and semi-automatic modes, you have a say in the aperture that is selected. So, which aperture should you use? Well, it depends, doesn't it? Depends on what you're taking a photo of. Use an automatic mode and the camera's going to do that for you. And as I've just said... These scene-related modes will choose an aperture that's appropriate for that scene. 
as well as the shutter speed, of course. And if you use aperture priority mode, you choose the aperture and the camera chooses the shutter speed to give you the correct exposure. And if you're using shutter priority mode, also known as time value, you choose the shutter speed and the camera chooses the aperture. But if you use manual mode, you decide everything. So it depends what mode you're in and it also depends what you're taking a photograph of. I mean, firstly, what depth of field you need and how much of the photo needs to be sharp. Is it all of it or is it some of it? And also what shutter speed is available with that aperture value to give the correct exposure. And, and you've got to remember things like if you're shooting handheld, you need to have a shutter speed which is fast enough to get a sharp photo with no camera shake, which might mean you need to change the aperture to give you a faster shutter speed. So that's why you can change all this stuff. It helps us. Creative stuff. Well, yeah, the aperture, it gives you creative control of the photos that you take. I mean, how the main subject and the rest of the photo relate to each other and how a photo looks. Sharp bits, blurry bits. And also, you can go a little bit dark, a little bit lighter. It's all the creative stuff you can do once you know how to change these things. Okay, some specifics then. Well, portrait photography. To take a photo of someone, you'd use a larger aperture. And that'd be large enough to blur the background, but get all of the face in focus. Now, when I say all of the face, what you're doing when you're taking a photo of a person, this isn't in the script, by the way, is you focus on the eyes, but you need enough depth of field to get the nose, which we assume is going to be the nearest point, and the, the furthest back bit of the head and face that, that you can see all in focus. So you need to remember that you can't just go maximum aperture every time because you might get part of the face blurry. And that's not a great look. But if you take a photo of something fast moving, you're going to need a faster shutter speed, aren't you? So you'll, you'll use a larger aperture, which lets more light in, meaning you can use a faster shutter speed. And I haven't written this on the script either, but if you want to take use a slow shutter speed, I mean, I'll come on to shutter speed in the next episode. Use a smaller aperture, and then you can use a slower shutter speed. I'm hesitating there, aren't I? Because I think I might have got that one wrong, but... But if you're taking a photo of a building, you'll choose a smaller aperture to ensure that you get the best quality capture and a greater depth of field. All the building and the surroundings all in focus. And, and it's the same for landscape photography, really. Right then, what's the aperture actually made of? Well, I don't know. And, and I've asked Canon, I've asked Olympus and I've asked Sony and they didn't want to tell me. So it sounds like a bit of a trade secret to me, which, which was a surprise. I think the aperture blades are made of metal, and they, they certainly were once, but I'm not so sure now. Maybe they're made of something secret. Right then, that's the talky bit over. What if I use a phone and not a camera? Well, I'm still using an iPhone XS, and, and with my iPhone XS, the aperture is fixed. That's that. So what you do is you use something like portrait mode, where the background is blurred out, making the subject more prominent. See, camera phones have replaced the aperture and the ability to change the aperture for creative effect with software. And is there a price to pay for this? Well, the image quality isn't going to be as good as it is with a proper camera. I use proper camera very loosely, of course. But for most of us, it's good enough most of the time, isn't it? So the computational side of photography has replaced the need to change the aperture, which is an interesting development, isn't it? What if I use a film camera? Well, all the same applies as with digital. And that's all I have to say on this, apart from this. You do get a depth of field preview button with a film camera. Oh yeah, I certainly did with the film cameras that I used. And what that was meant to do was when you look through the viewfinder, 
you press the depth of field preview button and it, you could see through the lens the depth of field. Now my, my recollections from, from those days was that all it did was, was make the, the viewfinder dark because it was letting less light through. And I, I never, <laughs> I don't think I ever used it the way it was meant to be done and looked at a photo and gone, wow, I've got that depth of field bang on there. It was more a case of, okay, it's made the viewfinder dark. <laughs> Obviously with digital it's different, but that was the fun from back in the days of film. Right, move on, Rick. What do I do? What aperture do I use with my photography? Well, I use f8 most of the time, especially for my photos of buildings. Now, I know that f8 is a sweet spot on my Canon 17 to 40 millimeter lens. And I know that with f8, I get the depth of field that I need using a focal length of 17 millimeters. And I use AV mode, so I've chosen the aperture and the camera chooses the shutter speed to give me the correct exposure for that image. See, nice and easy. It doesn't have to be complicated. And that is what I do. Right, some thoughts from the last episode. Well, episode 154 was about how to get the correct exposure every time you take a photo. A particularly splendid episode is actually Photography Explained podcast episode 154. How do I get the correct exposure every time I take a photo to give it its formal title? All I want to do here really is repeat the point that we should endeavour to get the best exposure that we can every time we take a photo. Get it right in camera. Don't try and get it right later on in Photoshop and Lightroom. I say Photoshop and Lightroom, so, you, so I use both of them. I use Lightroom, really. But yeah, get the exposure right in light. Get <laughs> yeah, get the exposure right in camera. And the big part of getting that exposure right is using the right aperture. Next episode. Well, I'm on a bit of a roll now, aren't I? So episode 156. So after aperture, it's just got to be shutter speed, of course, hasn't it? So. That's that. And um, title-wise, I haven't come up with one yet, but it might be. What does shutter mean in photography? That sounds good, doesn't it? Short and to the point, and you know what you're getting. Okay, then, if you have a question you would like me to answer, just head over to the podcast website, photographyexplainedpodcast.com forward slash start, where you can find out what to do. Or, or you can just say hi, it's fine. It'd be lovely to hear from you either way. Right, that's all. This episode was brought to you by, um, well, <laughs> for a change, a cheese and pickle sandwich and a bag of cheese and onion crisps. All a bit cheesy, isn't it? All washed down with some water, all consumed before I settled down in my homemade, acoustically cushioned, technologically improved recording emporium. And today's acoustic treatment is one coat and two fleeces. I've been Rick McAvoy. Thanks again very much for listening to my small but perfectly formed podcast. Here says here and for giving me 27-ish minutes of your valuable time. Well, I think this one's going to be about 24 minutes long after I've edited out the rubbish and the errors and everything. Not that there are that many, because it's been quite a slick recording, so I'm going to stop there before I trip myself up. Thanks again for listening. Take care, stay safe. Cheers from me, Rick.